Some of you may or may not know this about me, but my wife and I are not native Texans. We're, we're converts. We are Texacajans. We're actually from Louisiana. And uh, when I moved here um, and bought my first house, um, all my neighbors began to coach me that I needed to buy a soaker hose. And I didn't know what that was. And they said, well, here, because of the soil and because of the heat and then the, and the extremes from hot to cold, um, we have foundation issues if you don't water your foundation. If you don't keep your foundation strong, you'll have issues and, with your home. And, um, and so I went out and bought a soaker hose. I didn't really understand how to work them. I didn't know why we needed them. Um, but as of this last week, I am convinced that um, if, uh, if people don't go to hell, they should go to Texas. I mean, 105 is like, it's, this has been a horrible week of heat. And I'm so grateful for the knowledge of making sure that my foundation is watered. As we jump into today's teaching, I tell the message today, building wise. Everybody say building wise. You can do better than that. Say building wise. And so as we jump in, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 13. It says this, it says, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she, talking about wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. If it was in present language or if God was writing this to us in more modern times, it might would say, for wisdom is more profitable than Bitcoin and will yield a better return than Ethereum. She is more precious than rubies or stock in whatever Elon Musk is doing. So nothing you desire can compare with her. Look what it says in verse 15. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths, talking about wisdom still, are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Now the Proverbs, for the most part, are written um, much of the Proverbs are written by a man by the name of Solomon. And Solomon was the king of Israel following in the footsteps of his father, David. And some of you may know David. He wrote much of the book of Psalms. David was, is considered a man after God's own heart. David was considered one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel. And so Solomon, his son, was going to be taking his place. And as you know, Israel is God's people. God picked that, picked Abraham and Abraham's offspring and made a covenant with them and said, okay, these are going to be my people and that you'll be light to the entire earth on how I engage with people and they can come and know me through my relationship with you. And so we see Israel as this all throughout the, the scriptures as, the, as God's precious people. And so we, as non-Israelis, have been grafted in as Christians, as believers. We've been, if you will, adopted into the family. And, um, and so, and, and, and then, of course, Christ alone. And so all, and now all Israelis, Jews, everybody, the Messiah, Jesus. And so anyway, sorry to get on a, on a track there. But at the end of the day, what this passage is talking about is how wisdom how wisdom will give us this place of safety and security. More than riches, more than rubies, it'll give us long life. Having wisdom, and, he, and, and Solomon is literally teaching um, all those who read, chase after wisdom, become people of wisdom, uh, learn wisdom, it is more valuable. And in fact, in 1 Kings chapter three, Solomon is, uh, is coming into his royal position as king, and, and the Bible says that God comes to Solomon and it's a little unclear for Solomon if he was having an open vision, a dream vision, but nonetheless, he had this engagement with God, and God asked him, he said, listen, ask me of anything, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon, in humility, as a young leader, said, God, I don't know how to lead your people. I don't want to mess it up. So God, if you'll just give me wisdom, 
And, and it's almost as though in God's response is like, whoa, I didn't expect you to do that. He said, I, 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 you know, I didn't expect, it's not what he says, but it's like the sense that, that God's like, wow, wow. He said, because you didn't ask for riches or popularity or power, importance, he said, you asked for wisdom on how to guide my people. He said, not only am I gonna give you wisdom, but I'm gonna give you riches. I'm gonna give you power. And, and, and to date, Solomon is considered, outside of Jesus Christ, the wisest man to ever walk the planet. But he had a supernatural wisdom that came from God. So the writings of Proverbs that he wrote most, it's this God wisdom. And so I would encourage every entrepreneur, I would encourage every businesswoman, businessman, any teach, anybody of influence to study the Proverbs, to have wisdom that's outside of the earthly wisdom of man. Are you tracking? Let me say yes. In fact, in this hour more than ever before, we are surrounded by such foolishness, it's time that the church lives in wisdom. Are you with me? Say yes. In fact, I've been so dumbfounded over the last couple of years at how much of a lack of a biblical worldview Christians have that we don't actually have uh, we don't actually base our life system on what the Bible says and that my friend is foolishness in fact the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord the beginning where you start with wisdom is to fear the Lord now that word fear is better translated in our more modern English terms deep respect for example I deeply respect electricity I, I, I deeply respect it. I, I'm not scared that it's gonna hurt me. Um, I respect it. That's why I don't take my, my fork and stick it in the outlet because I deeply respect its power. And so that's literally what the scriptures are talking about, that the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom comes when you and I go, he is God, the creator of the earth. The creator of the earth actually wants a relationship with me and I can repent of my sins and fall on my face and declare him the Lord of my life. And then that is the beginning spot of wisdom. And so as the, as the writer of Proverbs says here that wisdom, get it with whatever you have to do to get wisdom. Chase after it. Tie it around your neck, another passage says, these words of wisdom. In fact, Jesus was dealing with this concept when he takes off into his Sermon on the Mount piece. So in the book of Matthew, chapter, starting in chapter five, Jesus, is, he's on the earth and he's starting his ministry and we call it the Sermon on the Mount because it's his sermon. It's his, it is kind of like his, 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 his doctrines that he's gonna give out to the people and they're all come to him on the side of this mountain and he begins to teach them. And he talks about how his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But as he opens up on chapter five, he starts talking about the law, the law of Moses, the Old Testament teachings. And he says, listen, I didn't come to do away with those. I came to fulfill every one of them. In fact, he says to the followers, his followers, he says, unless your righteousness goes beyond what the Pharisees, all these followers of the law goes, then you don't have any part with me. And as he goes through his teachings on, on you know, the Beatitudes, and he goes on his teaching, he, he begins to teach, like the Bible says, or you've heard it said, that if you are, are an adulterer, that you will incur the wrath of adultery. And, and he says, but I say, if you even look upon a woman lustfully, you've committed the sin of adultery. And we see that he goes through and he teaches us how to love one another, and he takes what was, if you will, the Old Testament teachings, and he says, I'm gonna show you how to live them out. I'm gonna actually translate them into everyday life for you. And then when we pick up here in chapter seven of the book of Matthew, verse 24, Jesus then kind of illustrates it like this. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're wise. Tell them that. Say, you're wise, I like that. It says, and Jesus says, everyone who takes these words of mine 
and puts them into practice. And I think it's really cool how Jesus uses the wordsmith there. I, I don't know if you've ever tried to coach somebody. Um, if, if you've ever tried to be a coach and try to maybe your own children, and you're like, look, this is how you stand. Hold the bat like that. Okay, there you go. And if, if you've ever had anyone hear what you said but didn't, didn't do it, are you, are you tracking with me? How frustrating is that? Like, I can't hit the ball. That's because you're standing like this. I told you to stand like that. What's wrong with you, dummy? And this is what Jesus is saying. Anyone who hears these words of mine, if you hear my teachings, if you understand, if you listen to me and you'll put them into practice, everybody say into practice. Turn to the person next to you and say into practice. He says, he'll be like a wise man. Everybody say wise man. Who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fail or fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And he goes on to say in verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. Turn to the person next and say, don't be foolish. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Why did it fall with a great crash? Because the house wasn't on a strong foundation. Now being from Louisiana, I have watched our state build all these houses along these waterways. I watched them build all those houses along the coastline and we're coming into that era of time that known as, you know, uh, great, where we have these great storms come up out of the ocean and, uh, and you'll look up and those houses will be gone within a matter of a weekend. And the reason why is because those storms come with great force, but those houses aren't built on anything solid to keep them from washing out. And so, when I moved to Texas, though we have great clay and rock and things like that, because of the difficulty of the, of, the, of the seasons, of the hot, hot and the cold, cold, and that expanding and contracting and all that that's happening, that foundation can get weak. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. And Jesus is pointing out that if you and I don't build our life on his good teachings, then we're not wise. What we actually are is foolish. And when the storms come, you will have a crash. It's interesting to live in a culture of time where we have such foolish leadership. It blows my mind how quickly those around us are foolishly going down pathways, making decisions that really in the end are gonna lead to destruction. Jesus said, if you will build your life on the good foundation of my word, if you will, let, if you will build on the rock that cannot be shaken, he says that when the hard times come, that man who built on that rock, when the storms come, and friend, can I tell you something? You're gonna have storms in life. You're gonna have difficulties in life. It's gonna happen. Jesus said it would. He said, in this life you'll have troubles, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. So for you and I as a believer, building our life on the teachings of Christ and putting them into everyday practice. I'll be honest with you, I don't like a lot of the Bible. It makes me mad. Especially when I read, forgive those who've sinned against you. Bless those who curse you. When's the last time you were in traffic and the guy cuts you off and you honked the horn and he threw up his fingers and you could tell he was using some blessed assurance words towards you. And you immediately broke into, I bless you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I bless you. I don't, I don't like those teachings all the time. Not because I'm, because uh, uh, I don't love God, I love him with all of my heart. It just fights against my sin nature, what's more natural for me. Or, or to do what Matthew chapter 28 says to do, 
And then go to my brother when they sin against me and confront him on that and say, hey, you've done this and it deeply hurts me. I would much rather do what most of the church does and just get a bunch of friends talking bad about them and then posting some, some, little, you know, some little shots across the bow on my social media post. I'd much rather do that and make innuendos about people in church who don't do, th- I would much rather go that route, but that is sinking sand. That's building your life on a system that ultimately will crash when the storms of life come. So Jesus tells us very clearly that we should be wise and build on his teachings. This is what wisdom looks like when you and I build on the teachings of God. We begin to be, become solid and firm. And that's why the old folks, come on, some of you have some of them old mamas in the faith. Oh man, they go through something hard and they say, oh baby, it's all right. Jesus is still Lord. And you're looking at him going, how? You just got told that you got three months to live with the cancer that you have. And you're still coming to church with your hands lifted. Thank you, Jesus. I bless you, Lord. Why? Because their house is built on a rock that no matter what the storms bring, they will not be destroyed or crash in the midst of hardship and difficulty. It's been so embarrassing to me to watch younger believers, newer believers, people who, who've, who've, who've kind of, you know, just kind of been fresh in the faith, the moment they hit a storm, walk away from God. And the reason that is, is because they did not put the teachings of Christ into everyday play into their life. And so they were building on sand, not on a rock. Are you tracking with me today? Say yes. Come on, you can do better than that. Say yes. See, wisdom is the ability to apply spiritual truths to life's realities. Foolishness is the inability and the unwillingness to apply spiritual truths to life's reality. Well, that may be what, the, that may be what you Christian people do, but you know, that's not, even, that's not even smart to do it. Like, it's so much smarter to take this shortcut. Well, but the Bible says that we should do it this way. Yeah, but. It's been amazing to even watch preachers and teachers of the word and pastors rework the scriptures to fit culture instead of calling culture to fit the scriptures. It's been unbelievable to watch in this hour. But I say, not so for you, not so for me. Let us build our life on the very teachings of Christ. Let us put ourselves in a firm foundation situation so when the storms of life come, when the difficulties come, we'll still be standing when it's all said and done. Are you with me today? Say yes. So with that being said, let me give you a few signs that you might have some foundation troubles. Just a few signs that you might have some foundational troubles. Here's the first sign that you might have some foundational struggles, and that is you begin to have shifting happening. It begins to shift. When, I, when Jamie and I bought our first um, house kind of in the area of Cedar Hill, we bought in a neighborhood up the road called uh, Lake Ridge. And as I understand it, Joe Pool Lake, um, that is like, I think like 90% of the lakes in Texas were man-made as I understand them. And uh, being from Louisiana, nothing was man-made and everything's floating. And so... But as I understand it, they dug out all that low area and, uh, and they took all that dirt and they built, uh, threw it out on the area called Lake Ridge and then contractors came and they began to build houses on what dirt had been pulled up out of that, what is now the lake. And uh, the problem was, and you find this to be true um, over the last few years especially, is that many of those contractors didn't drill down for the foundations until they hit some more bedrock. So they literally built those foundations on shifting dirt, shifting dirt. And so in that neighborhood, you have million-dollar houses with major foundation issues, million-dollar houses. The first house we built, the, the people had built it for a, a large 
sum of money, and we bought it at a, at a foreclosure rate. And, uh, and I'll never forget, we were asking, why did it cost them so much to build this house? I mean, it's nice, but they, man. And I'll never forget, someone said, because this house, those contractors spent the extra money to go all the way down till they hit bedrock, and that house never had foundation issues, although all the houses around me did. It was an interesting concept. It didn't know that being from Louisiana. But what happens here and what happens in our everyday life is that if we have a foundation in Christ and we don't start taking care of it, what will happen, there will be these shifts that transpire. And I kind of would illustrate that like this. It, it happens in our life so easy, all of a sudden, our little small, our little priority starts shifting a little bit. Whereas before, we'd read the Bible every day, and now it's like, ah, you know, that's being religious. We were committed to small group life and being with a group of people, and all of a sudden, our priorities kind of start shifting away from that. Now we're spending so much more time at the office, and we don't understand why our children are having issues. We're spending so much, our priorities have shifted away from reading the Word and just enjoying Jesus, and we don't have any fellowship anymore, all because somewhere in the midst of just trying to serve God and live through this old wicked world, that all of a sudden our priorities started shifting. We didn't even see it happen, and before you know it, you've got foundational issues because there's a shift happening and you didn't even realize it we we had to do some foundation repair on a friend of ours house and it cost them tens of thousands of dollars all because they didn't realize there was shifting happening and they didn't deal with it in the time they should have if your priorities have started shifting, if, you, if you've lost contact with the Lord, if all, you, know, you go to church once a month, once every two months, something like that, I would challenge you, careful, careful your foundation's in jeopardy. Here's another sign that your foundation may be in trouble, and that is erosion. Everybody say erosion. And erosion is where you begin losing ground. And it's amazing to watch believers that I know and love who've had these amazing experiences with the Lord begin to lose ground all of a sudden, start having erosion. Things that they had conquered Years ago, now they're back having a porn issue. Now they're back, back before, you know, they had cleaned up their language and, and they could bless people, but now they're back cussing at work like crazy, cussing people up one side, down the other side. All of a sudden there's an erosion. What was solid and packed in, solid, all of a sudden now there's this erosion happening and now all of a sudden, you know, they're, the things that they had conquered, things that had, they had, had victory over, they're losing that victory. Their marriage had been so strong. Now all of a sudden there's an erosion in their marriage. There's an erosion with their children, all because that they've gotten foolish and they've lost wisdom. And so their foundation is now affected. Here's, a, if you will, the, the next piece or sign that your foundation could be experiencing some trouble, and that is cracks. Which, by the way, we went on a foundation repair site and found out their little pieces on how you could tell, so I just put them in biblical illustration for you. Cracks in the foundation. Where all of a sudden what was solid and firm now has cracks in it. And the reason why you have cracks is because not only do you have shifting soil and erosion, but now you've built something on that foundation and the weight of all the things that you've built are now starting to affect the fact that that foundation has issues and it's creating cracks. You now have cracks in your foundation. We, we looked at a house during the, um, during the economic downturn in that neighborhood I was telling you about locally close to me. And, um, and we, Jamie and I thought, well, hey, let's, this is a great time. They're all in foreclosure during the economic downturn. Let's buy a couple of these big houses 
and we'll do a quick flip. You know, we've been watching the History Channel. I mean, the, the uh, HGTV channel. We can do what they do. We're better than those guys. We can do it. And so in 08, and so we start going, we start looking at, there was 100 foreclosed houses in, in this big fine neighborhood with million-dollar homes. And so we start going through them. I'll never forget, I walked inside of a, it had to be, what, 6,000 square feet? 6,000 square feet house. We opened, we opened the big, amazing front door, big spiral staircase right there and in the main foyer area as you walked in, and right down the middle of what was, what type of, what type of flooring was that? It was, it was marble flooring. Right down through the middle of the marble flooring was a crack so big I could put my fist down. I could see all down to the dirt. I could see three, three feet down, all the way down through the middle of this house. All down through the big giant crack. And I thought, woo, we ain't touching this one. The cost to fix this, my Jesus, all because someone didn't do the work right on the foundation from the very beginning. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. See, these are things that you used to be convicted of that you're not convicted of anymore. Now you got cracks. You used would never, ever let that in your house. And now it's in your house. When the kids were little, you would never let that on the TV. But now they're teenagers, whatever. And so, so what happens is when we begin to slack on those things that we were deeply convicted by the Lord, it's an amazing thing to see that an entire generation is struggling with whether or not it's right to kill babies or not. What happened to America? What happened to our convictions that life is precious? That we would disproportionately treat different parts of our culture even just because of their skin tone. Crazy what happened. It started with a little bit of, little bit of lack of conviction here, a little bit more here, and now we're doing things that we never would have done. And now we have cracks in our foundation. And what we are building is unstable. And so with that being said, let me give you a couple thoughts because I feel your conviction right now. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel bad, but I surely want to grow you. Let me give you a couple thoughts on how to secure your foundation, how to build it strong. Write these down. Here's the first thing you can do to strengthen your foundation or, or build it up strong, and that is, number one, focus on the areas that need the most attention. Focus on those areas right now. So when you recognize you have foundation repair issues in a home, and you call one of these foundation repair places, the first thing they're gonna do is they're gonna come to, the, to you and they're gonna say, all right, where do you see the most difficult places? And then what they'll do is they will then begin to dig out all around that space. They focus on where you're already seeing big cracks. They're focusing on where they already see erosion away from the foundation. They go to those big areas right now and each and every one of us can point out something that like, we've been foolish here. I've probably got some cracks in the foundation here. I haven't, haven't read the Bible and three or four years. I, I, you know, I just, man, my prayer life looks like, you know, God bless me. Help me hit this home run. You know, that, that's the extent of where we're at. And so I would say to you, focus on those, those big spaces first. Start there. We got marriage issues. We're gonna start there. We're gonna go get counsel. We're gonna do whatever we have to do. We're gonna focus on those spots. Start at that spot where you know needs the most attention. Um, and, and let me just say, this is the reason why most people won't do that, because they recognize it takes a lot of work. Takes a lot of work. Have you ever seen these guys do foundation repair? It's a lot of work. They get out there in the heat, and they dig, and they dig, and they dig, and it takes them hours upon hours. They're fighting through root 
issues. They're fighting through all this stuff. And that's why a lot of people are like, oh, the Lord loves me. It's going to be okay. No, friend, it is time to fight for your marriage. It's time to fight for your purity again. Come on, are you with me? It's time to fight for your mental health again. Come on, you're losing your mind. You got cracks in the foundation. Because why? Because you've been foolish and not been wise. And now as, as a result, your whole Christian walk is shifting a little bit. It's shaking a little bit. And you know one big storm and you may not be here. I asked a little couple who has been my assistant who lost their baby two weeks ago to not be at this service because we were doing baby dedication. They were at the first service. But as we held their dead baby and we prayed, Lord, if you would bring it back to life, please. And that baby did not come back to life. And as we've been coaching that couple and walking through with that couple, what they are going through right now, what they've been through in the last two weeks, for probably many other Christians would have been that moment where they're like, I'm out. I asked you to heal my baby and you didn't. I'm done. But this little couple has a strong foundation in Jesus. So as the storm hit and it raged and it pushed against the doors and the waters rose and the wind hit against their faith, you know what they did? They just hunkered down and they said, God, we're gonna trust you. We don't know why our baby died. We don't know why no one's been, you know, we don't know what, who did right, wrong and whatever, but we know this, that you are good and your ways are good and you are just in all of your ways and come hell or high waters, we're gonna keep serving you with all of our heart and they've been at services, they've been at small group, they've been lifting their head up and saying, Jesus is Lord, no matter what happens, friend, that's a firm foundation. That's because their foundation isn't full of cracks and erosion. They've been wise in making sure their foundation was strong. Every time I'd point out to them, hey, y'all need to work on this. I see that in your life. Yes, sir, I'm gonna work on it. If God was standing here today, you could be brutally honest. And he spoke to you directly about an area that you need to work on. Would you even listen? These are why we have such a church in America that's not effective anymore. It's because we have cracks in our foundation. The houses are shaking and they're looking like they're about to fall apart. But oh, I would prophesy to you, this is the church's greatest hour. This is our greatest hour. And the reason why I am being so strong with you is because I don't want you to crash when the winds come and when the difficulties come. Frank, can I just tell you something? If you think we've had storms, the last few years, we had, you ain't seen nothing yet. The Bible literally prophesies that in the last days that there'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Jesus actually said in Matthew 24, he says the love of most will grow cold, talking about the believers. He talks about all the signs of wickedness that'll be on the earth. We're seeing all those things played out right now. But Frank, can I tell you, I was talking to somebody and they were so discouraged and they were so worried about this and the government and doing this and this person's got this. And there's this whole underlining group doing this and I just told them, I said, oh, I don't know about all that, but I know this. Where there is darkness, light shines bright. And it's time for the church to shine bright and let God do miracles in the midst of manipulation and wickedness and God's gonna shine through you. Let's secure our foundations though so we don't crash in the midst of difficulty. So, Here's my next piece that I would teach you on how to secure your foundation, and that is you gotta supplement with good soil. You gotta supplement with good soil. You gotta bring in some good soil around those areas and bring in where you have had difficulty. You gotta get some good soil in it. You know, at some point, this next generation has to rise up for themselves and begin 
to apply the word of God to their life. At some point, you and I have to stand up and say, you know what? I've got to bring in some new things into my life with Christ. I know I have, you know, been a Christian for 20 years or 15 years or whatever. But what I keep hearing sometimes from those of you that have been saved a long time is the same stories about what God did 30 years ago. My question is, what's he doing in your life right now? Give something for your grandkids and your great-grandkids to go, I want that. I want that. This last week, a group of our people loaded up in a van and they went to the Navajo Nation. I ask our church to do short-term missions trips with us all the time. And many of you like, we want to, Pastor, but I can't get the time off. You know, there are always difficulties. But there was a group of people who loaded up in a van and I want to explain to you who they were. Uh, in that van, loaded up, was a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, who were the children of our missions director. So she took her kids with her, left her husband here to lead worship for us, Pastor Lance, went on, took this group of people. On that trip was uh, a 22-year-old, a 23-year-old, uh, a 45-year-old, and two, let's say, very mature um, We'll give them 60s, that's right, we'll park them at the, in their 60s. Now, I don't know if you've ever taken a mission trip with your grandparents, but I want you to think through the dynamics of sleeping in bunk beds and rooms with a multi-generational group. I want you to think about the value system on a 15-hour drive in a 15-passenger van and the amount of potty breaks that each one in that generation is going to need. <laughs> I just knew this was going to be a martyr for hire scenario. Like someone's going to die on this trip. So I just began to cover it with prayer. Can I tell you they had the greatest experience? Do you know why? Because there were two older folks on this trip who are so much like Jesus. And who said, you know what? I may be old, and my bones may be a little creaky here and there, but I'm going to get out on a mission trip, and I'm going to go love on some people, and I'm going to show you young people how to do it. That's a firm foundation is what that is. They didn't care about their comfort. They didn't care about, you know, what they were going to have to overcome. They're trying new things. They're adding soil. Come on with me. Adding soil to their foundation. When's the last time you shared your faith with someone? When's the last time you texted a grandkid and said, I'm praying for Look, we got to add soil. I appreciate your experiences from a year ago. They're beautiful. Yay. Well, what about now? Add some soil. What's the last great thing you did for the Lord? When's the last time you prayed for somebody in Walmart? When's the last time you posted something that actually spoke to, about how great Jesus was? When's the last time you added some freshness to the life of God that you have? And as a result of not doing that, all that stuff is pulling away and your foundation's getting cracks in it. Erosion is happening and you don't even realize it. It's time to fix the foundation that you don't even realize is having difficulty. And back to our main verse in chapter 20, uh, seven of Matthew, verse 24. Therefore, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I meet so many people who know the Bible but don't put it into practice. All the time. They'll tell me, well, you know, I did this and I did that. And I was like, man, but you're still a jerk. Like, like if 30 years of serving God gets me that, then I don't want that. I've told you this before. I was preaching at this church years ago and and time that I was kind of a guest minister and 
And, uh, and you guys know I'm just fired up. I just love God. I should, be, I should be dead in prison somewhere or something, but Jesus saved our family. And I'm so, I, I, who's been forgiven much, loveth much. And so, and so I just love Jesus. And so I'm preaching at this church, and afterwards this old guy walks up to me. He said, uh, he said you pretty fired up, ain't you? I said, yes, sir, I really love Jesus. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. He said, uh, how long do you think I've been a Christian? I'm looking at this guy like, I don't know, since Moses, dirt, I don't know. When dirt was invented, I have no idea. And he goes, uh-huh. He said, yeah, I've been saved 47, 47 years. I'm like, great. I said, man, that's amazing. And he said, can I, can I, can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? As a young minister, can I help you? Sure, my God, after 47 years, you, you and Jesus must have, like, speed dial. I mean, this, I mean, you must walk past... Funeral homes and people just raised from the dead. I mean, 47 years of being with Jesus, you must be phenomenal. He goes, you know all that jumping up and down you do when you worship? All that yelling and being loud? He said, there'll come a day where you can just settle in. You know what I mean? I said, no, sir, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. He said, well, you don't have to be so loud and passionate. And I looked at him. God is my witness. And I looked up. I said, if this is what I have to look forward to, kill me right now. Do, I'm done. Why? The problem with him was, see, he had gotten old and his foundations were full of cracks and he never did anything to fix them. He added nothing new to his life. And so what he was trying to do is bring erosion into my foundation, which would make him feel better with how bad his house was and his life in Christ. But he was too late. Because, see, I grew up with all them old people who loved Jesus with all their heart. And maybe they couldn't jump up and down and worship anymore. Maybe it was just more like this. And maybe they had a little bit more uh, roles in their glory. You know, anyway. And, and, but but I'd already, I, look, I grew up in a church where the old folks, man, I'm telling you, they were more on fire than all the young people. If, 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 I'm telling you, if Mama, if Mama Smith laid hands on you, you were getting healed. Bottom line. Because she, she, she'd spit enough on you, throw enough oil on you, shake you down to the ground to where you fake the healing just so she'd leave you alone. I mean, you gonna, you, something's going to happen. Mama Jones, ooh, Mama Jones lay hold to you. You better just take off running. She, why? Because they understood as wise builders that they had to keep the fresh fire. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. No, you're not, but I love you anyway. That brings me to point number three. How to secure your foundation, and that is number three, and that is it requires constant uh, maintenance. Requires constant maintenance. I'm constantly tightening things up in my life. Oh, man, I gotta tighten that up. I'm constantly pulling out the hose, the water. I'm constantly getting on my face and saying, Lord, I need a refreshing in you. I I need you to strengthen me. I live by the concept that you need to inspect what you expect. If you're not having fruit, then something's broken in the growth cycle. So we got to find, you got to inspect and find out, Lord, how come, because see, here's what Mark chapter 16 tells us. And these signs shall follow those who believe. If you're a believer, would you just say me for a moment so I know? Okay, three of you. And so, Mark 16, in, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. If they drink any deadly poison, it won't hurt them. COVID, no COVID, vax, no vax, it won't matter. In Christ, these signs will follow those who believe. They'll cast out devils. They'll pray in other tongues. They'll heal the sick. This is supposed to be everyday stuff for the believer. So if we're not having that everyday stuff, that means there's something broken in our foundation. Something's not right. There's cracks. It's, it's, things are leaking out. 
uh, under the groundwater. All these pieces have to be brought back in for correction. And it's always fun to me because depending on where some of you came from, um, you know, how, what's your ideology of how to fix things in your life? It's always fun to me, all you guys, all you ex, you know, uh, Pentecostals, charismatics, you know, some of you grew up in an era where all you had to do was get to the altar and then somehow just get somebody to pray in tongues real loud over you and you'd fall out in the spirit and that'd fix it all. The problem with that is you've lived a life like this, up and down, up and down. And uh, you backslid one, one, one year and you come back to Christ and oh, you flop around and that's all beautiful experiences. I'm so grateful. I, am, I have a beautiful prayer language. I'm moving the gifts. But at the end of the day, your Christian walk should look more like this on a graph. It should have ups has some little dips, but it should constantly be moving forward. Why? Because you're building. You say, oh, I don't know if I believe that. Well, actually, let's turn to the scripture in Philippians 2, 12. It says, therefore, dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We are saved by faith through grace. God extends grace to us through Jesus Christ, and we're saved by faith. And, And he accepts us as sons and daughters when we repent of our sins. The Apostle Paul teaches the Philippians and teaching us that we then should continue on, continue on building up our faith, continue on working to strengthen ourselves in these areas of Christ, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So here's how I illustrate to people all the time. 29 years ago, my wife and I stood at an altar and I said, I do, and she said, she did. And I said, I love you. And she said, I love you. We signed a little document, love you forever. And she said, yes. Well, then Monday came around. You tracking with me? Monday came around. Ten years later, Monday came around. And I do love her. And she do love me. But we're having to work out our love through fear and trembling. Are you tracking with me? And so let me tell you, I don't work for her love. She's already given it to me. And she doesn't work for my love. But I prove my love in the way I serve her. I can't say I love her and I won't take out the trash. How can I say I love you and I'm messing around with other women? Right? So, so when we come to Christ, he accepts us. And he extends his love and his mercy and we become his sons and daughters. But then we continue to prove, if you will, prove's a tough word, we continue to develop our love through our good works in him, through our, through, through our growth in him. And so it, it always amazes me with this grace teaching that, oh, you're saved now, just keep living the way you were living. No, no, you should be different. I'm not gonna live like a single bachelor now that I'm married. I love her, blending my life with her. And whatever she wants, I do it. Because happy wife, thank you. All right, so with that being said, one last scripture, we'll walk, we'll walk us out of here. All our visitors are like, man, your preacher preaches too long. James 1 and verse 5. If anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's the God that I serve. He knows that I have these crazy, dumb moments of foolishness. He knows, I don't know how to rebuild that portion of my foundation. We have messed this marriage up. He knows, I don't know how to stop that porn addiction. He knows, I don't, have, I don't know, I can't, I don't know what to do. I can't do it. God help me. And he says, I will give you wisdom if you'll ask for it. And I won't even, I won't even treat you like you're stupid. Paraphrasing. Isn't that beautiful? 
I mean, have you ever had somebody that you ask for help and they're like, no, I've already told you how to do it. You have a dad like that growing up, ex-military? No, I already told you. Well, you know, well I wasn't listening. I'm listening now. Tough, too late. I'm so grateful that my God goes, ah, yeah, you didn't listen the last seven times, did you? But I won't show fault towards you. I will give you great wisdom. And so as we close out our time together, here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand up quickly, stand all across the room.